Mystic Michaela spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela. Today, everything aura about children. I go through every single aura color and talk about how um, it affects children, how it affects their behaviors, how it can affect their you know, how to parent them, and even hopefully bring you back to when you were a child so you can see how you were parented and how it affected you. Hey, uh, Scotty. I'm not going, hey guys, I'm not going there. No. No, no. Why? I don't know what happened in those years. Okay. I blocked most of it out. You did. It's weird. Yeah. Most of my childhood has been blacked out. Mm-hmm. It's so, really a sign of like trauma. I, I, I think I did have some trauma. Oh. Yeah. You know, a red. A red. Red. Being controlled by another red. Yeah. Your mom's red. Yeah. Red and purple. And you're red. Yeah. But then you have a red kid too. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the cycle continues. The cycle will continue. Yeah. But we did... I want to update you guys because um, a lot of you heard our stories about the canoe of tragedy when we went canoeing in Jupiter on a river and the children had, I mean, a lot of traumatic experiences. Too many to count. It was a lot. Uh, I forget what episode we talked about that in, but it was like extremely traumatic for the children to go on a canoe. Um, and But we did 2.0. We did. So it was actually your idea. Mm-hmm. So we found this, we went back to Key West. Yeah. Uh, I guess we, we do keep going to Key West for it's, some reason. We it's keep, only three and a half hours away. Yeah, we keep yeah. being drawn there. Um, and you found this place called Lazy Dog. Yeah. Okay. Not an ad for Lazy Dog, no. by the way. But you, you felt if there was like, because dogs were in the title, yeah. then maybe Abby and Bree would be more inclined. I'm a big get back on the horse person. It's yeah. I don't want them to be traumatized by canoes or kayaks. So I'm like, we're doing this again. And... The comp- it was cool because it's very Key West. And if you've been to Key West, it's super laid back. Right. And they had literally, they had dogs all over the place. Yeah. Happy canoeing dogs. So that gave us... <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah, like they know, would yeah. get on the kayak and canoe with you. Yeah. So I think that's why they were like <laughs> kind of okay with going again. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's dogs. Okay. Yeah. So we got two, we do, we got two kayaks this time. Yeah. I've never kayaked on my own. Yeah. You went with Abby. Mm-hmm. I took Bree. Yeah. Um... <laughs> You know, it was in the intracoastal. Yes. Uh, in the mangroves around Mangrove Key West. Trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I, I would say it was, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. The kids were fantastic. I think Abby had a few issues at the beginning. The first like five, 10 minutes, she was crying hysterically. But I also was learning how to navigate a kayak on my own for the first time. So I just leveled with her. I'm like, listen, like, you're making me scared. Yeah. You have to stop and you just have to be my teamie. I call her my teamie. And she was like, okay. Yeah. And then she became like my navigator. And then we were good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys definitely did have a learning curve. You still have that indent of the mangrove branch in your forehead. We do run into the mangroves a lot. It's yeah. just how we do. So we're, we're hoping that we don't need cosmetic surgery for that, but uh, it's possible that you will. I have that's permanent mangrove tree in my scalp. Yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but it was weird because there were tons of sharks. There were. Nurse, nurse sharks. Nurse sharks. And they were swimming all over the place. There were like 30. At least. Yeah. Yeah. It was and cool. They weren't scared of that. No. They weren't scary, those nurse sharks. They were big, though. Some they of them were, were big. huge. Yeah. They were bigger than Abby. They oh, stayed yeah. on the bottom, though. That's true. And the water was clear. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. We saw starfish and iguanas and fish and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So we are happy to say uh, yes. we are relieved yep. that now they've had a good experience on a kayak. And, we, yeah. and we, they even promised us that we could go back. Yeah. They said they allow us to go back one day. Right. They did. So we were happy about that. So from there, so from that trip, we went to uh, another key, uh, Bahia Honda Key. Yes. Bahia Honda State Park, which is probably the best beach in Florida. Yeah, you have to go there. Yeah, if you, if you are in Florida or you're visiting Florida and you want to hit a beach, especially in the Keys. In the Keys, Best yeah. beach by far in the Keys. Um, but 
We had some issues there. Oh my God. So you and Brianna, my two red auras, one red purple and one red blue, decided you were going to go snorkeling, which is fine. Like we have the snorkels, but I personally had an issue. I had my monthly moment and you and Brie made me feel like I was like, just this horrible person. You didn't want sharks to eat me and you thought if you were around me, you were going to get killed. Okay. I have (laughs) a debilitating fear of sharks. No, you guys were like screaming at me. Like, don't come near us. (laughs) Don't come near us. The shark. Like there's other people at the beach. Well, I mean, there's, you know, I read a lot about it because, you know, I I go in the water and, you know, some parts it's deep and I get scared. And, you know, know. some things that I read were like my wedding ring, for instance, it's a shiny object. Yeah. I take that off when I go. I I, I put it in my pocket and because I'm afraid that the shark will think my finger Right. Is, is a bait. fish. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I also do things down there too. So make okay. sure the shark doesn't <laughs> okay. think that's bait either. Okay. Okay. You don't know about that. But no, I, do. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, that totally makes sense since yeah. I know you though, yeah. that you would. Right. There's a lot of tape, gorilla glue, things <laughs> okay. like that going on. Okay. 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 <laughs> but I don't even think you're joking, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. It really hurts after you get out with the gorilla glue. But um, anyway. <laughs> The visuals everyone has right now. <laughs> Continue. Okay. okay. It can't be worse than when I had the back blade. I was doing my bunny tail. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyway, way back. That's an episode way back. But, <laughs> you know, I read things and the verdict is out on this. Whether that time of the, you know, the season or whatever you call it, you know, attracts the sharks. So no, I, I think that research was pretty solid that it's different than having like a cut on your hand. Sure. It, uh, it is. It's All right. different. All right, fine. But you guys were like pointing at me, calling me chum. <laughs> I don't recall that. But <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I called you chum? Yeah, and like everyone's like, you can't snorkel with us. You can get out of here. But so I was in... All mothers understand in the history of mothers, keeper of the crap. So I had all the flip-flop... No, oh, let me back this story up. Okay. I have been telling you for a very long time to get water shoes. All of us have water shoes. You like refuse. Yeah, you have like the most sensory issues of all of us. But I, have flat, I have flat feet. I know, but we're like, get the water shoes so that you're, you don't, you know, which is very helpful at the beach, especially around here. They can be rocky or whatever. So anyways, we all had water shoes and you did not. All right, we'll just, okay, so I'm the keeper of the crap. So I have all, now this beach isn't that big. If you ever go, it's very walkable. And it's it's right. It's not a big yeah. beach. No, it's not a big like, beach. Like you can go from one side to the other. Because like, wait, one side's the what, and one side's the other. One what side's is the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. and the other side is the ocean. So you were on the Gulf of Mexico side snorkeling. Yes. And then, but you could just like walk over to the other side. It takes like two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. Yeah, to walk. It's like a hill, and then you're right there on, yep. the, on the ocean side. Correct. So anyway, so Abby, who lovingly decided to stay with me because I was being ostracized by the red aura snorkelers. And we're just kind of in the very shallow part, just sitting there watching you guys sit next to the crap. I, I mean, I was bringing you things. I brought you a conch shell. Yeah, you guys are like, look conch. at this. It's so cool. Don't come near us. <laughs> I'm just going to show you this <laughs> I was bringing from you- <laughs> far away. We're having so much fun. I brought you crabs. <laughs> yeah, and like me and Abby are just sitting there like... And Abby gets like really stressed out, by the way, when you pick things up. She's like, put it back in its home. Put it back in its home. I mean, it was, I mean, you know, Brie doesn't smile that often. So she was like glowing. That sounds so sad. She She smiles. She does. She's getting towards that teenager. Yeah. But to see her so happy. She was very, yes, you're right. Which is why I, for an hour, 
with Abby sat in like two inches of water and just sat there okay. next to the pile of and, your flip flops and, and everyone's towels. And because you did that, I can say I'm still alive today <laughs> because a bull shark would have came and got me. Right. Okay. So I don't know. We were sitting there for like, I want to say like an hour and we were bored. Now at this point we're bored. And I'm like, hey, Abby, you know, you guys are far off in the distance, like showing each other things and trying to show us things and smiling and laughing and having this great time. Sure. And I'm like, hey, Abby, let's go walk over to the ocean side, like, which I said is only like a two minute walk, like across the hill. Right. But you did say we're going to go up to the bridge. Yeah. That's like, okay. okay. I did. But you should know, I don't understand geography. And I pointed it where I was walking, which apparently wasn't the bridge. I don't. I never know where I am. If you know me, you right. need to know that. That's okay. why you don't let me drive, and that's a good idea. So anyway, so I'm like, okay. So me and Abby, we. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the bridge. Right. But I pointed at the hill leading to the ocean. But anyways. But I didn't have my glasses on. Okay. So I had no idea what you pointed yes, at. Yes, and the glasses were at the pile of crap, which was right. right where I was sitting for like an hour. Right. Like two feet away from us. Yes. Okay. So we're just setting this up. So. Abby and I go, we have this wonderful time. We take pictures of each other. She takes a picture of me. I take a picture of her. We look, we go through a butterfly garden. We see the dunes. We go to the ocean. She writes, I love mommy in the sand. We have this lovely time. She tells me all these lovely things. I just, we have this bonding moment. Okay. And then it's been like, I don't know, I want to say like 10, 15 minutes and I get this feeling. Well, let me tell you what happened during those 10, 15 (laughs) minutes while you guys were in love. Yes. Okay, so we decided we were going to get out of the <laughs> the snorkeling zone and go onto shore like, huh, and tell you all about it. We don't have our audience anymore. It's time to get out. Now, apparently, <laughs> I remembered one thing. You said I'm going to the bridge. So, right. like, I, you know, we've been to be be a Honda many times, so I knew where the bridge was. Okay, and you know, I didn't have my glasses on, although we walked right past the bag, which I did not see. Right, and you know, we have to walk through a parking lot. And I didn't have any, like you said, I didn't have my water shoes. Right. So my feet are like burning up. Yeah. You know, the asphalt's really hot. So (laughs) we start walking towards the bridge. You know, we're like blind because Bree didn't have her glasses either. So we're like two like blind people walking. Uh, It's up a hill. So to get to the bridge, you got to go up a hill. Like the, it's like the, there's rocks, there's it's glass, hot. there's everything. Glass. Yeah, everything. There's, yeah. <laughs> hot coals. Hot coals, yeah. Like, Volcanic lava. Exactly. You know, tinder, everything. And um, <laughs> so actually halfway through the thing, you know, Bree did have her water shoes. I told Bree, I'm going to stay here under the shade of this tree and you go up to the bridge and, and get them and bring them down. So I waited. Bree went up to the bridge to get them down, to get you guys down. But she said you weren't up there. Right. So... We went down the path, back to the hot parking lot. We couldn't, we had no idea where we were going. So we went back to the original pot spot where we were going to snorkel, where then- Meanwhile, I get this feeling, uh, you know, by the ocean side, like, okay, Abby, I just know it. They need us. And Abby's like, yeah. So we kind of rush back over. <laughs> said, yeah. She's like, yeah. And then we wa- rush back over and I'm like, oh my God. And I don't see you in the snorkeling spot that you were there for like a t- full hour and you're not in that spot. And I'm like, oh my God. And Abby's like, oh, and like the stuff's right there. And I see that you're gone, but the shoes and everything and their glasses are there. And then I see in the distance and honestly, it looks I want you all to try to visualize what it would look like if you saw somebody emerging from a desert (laughs) 
after being <laughs> deprived of water or shelter or shoes for weeks. I see this hobbling, <laughs> grimaced man with his face contorted in pain. And Brianna in her little bikinis f- sees me, jumps full run, intense at me in her water shoes because she can run. And she's like, you literally killed Daddy, I was like, the shoes are right here. We were gone for like 15 minutes. And then you just like collapse. (laughs) It was a long 15 minutes. And then I was like, you should have just bought the water shoes, Scott. And I'm getting them for you on Amazon. All right. Well. That was funny though. All right. Other than that. You literally killed Daddy. (laughs) Well, you know, at least least she cares. (laughs) She does. She was... She was very concerned for you. Oh my god! No, I. Oh my god! I did what? not tell you something about this Key West trip. What? One night, mm-hmm. I went out. Just there was like a noise, and I went out and I looked around. I didn't see anything, but then on the outside handle of our hotel room door at the Hilton Garden Inn, there was a pair of boxers. They followed you. This time there was a note from who, Scott? It said, "Hey, Scotty, the Ukraine loves you." <sighs> I don't know what to make of it. Is it Pedro Hanchar? No, it's not. <laughs> All right. I think we got a couple ads. And All then right. we're going to come back and Orisplain. Yeah, let's chat about, oh my gosh, Coastal. Here's the deal, guys. You like to, you kind of like want to buy glasses online, but you're worried about how they'll actually look. Well, please don't be. Uh, Coastal makes it so easy. You can browse and virtually try on hundreds of frames without having to leave your couch. I put up on my stories recently, I... I got glasses from Coastal, okay? And I took a screenshot of how I look trying them on virtually. And then I took a picture of how I look with them actually on. I look the same. I'll have to put it up again so you can see. I've tried other places with, you know, you never quite trust their virtual try-on sessions. Well, Coastal's is amazing. It's it's very true to life. The colors, you can move your head around and stuff. It's great. At Coastal.com, you can get prescription glasses, starting at $9 with free shipping and 60-day risk-free returns. This is great for children, by the way, you know, because my daughter wears glasses, so this is great. Um, I'm using it for her. Plus, they have the most advanced virtual try-on technology you'll find anywhere. Turn your frames into sunglasses. You can test out different colored lens tints, or you can finally see, hey, what do I look like in a cat eye or aviator? Um, You can look at it right on your phone. There's nothing you have to install. It just You just pop right in there and... It's very easy to use. With Coastal, you don't have to spend hours at the store or hundreds of dollars to get a new style. Just go to Coastal.com, pick the frames you want, enter your prescription details, and your glasses will arrive literally in just a few days. It is so quick. Um, Once I picked out the glasses that I wanted, that was the part that took me the longest, just deciding, just with my own preferences. Once I picked out the glasses I wanted, uh, like two minutes later, they were ordered. You just stick in your prescription and done. It was not hard. Coastal has over 2,000 frames to choose from and 24-hour customer support. We're talking about Newsweek's America's Best Customer Service. And when you buy a pair from Coastal, you can donate a pair to someone in need in just one click at no extra cost. I love that. To date, Coastal has given more than 470,000 pairs of glasses to people in need across the world. Starting at $9, no need to leave the sofa. This is the new way to shop for glasses, Coastal.com. Now, and for a limited time, they're offering our listeners the best deal they have going anywhere. 
30% off your first pair of glasses. That's crazy good. Go to coastal.com slash aura. Coastal.com slash aura. Get free shipping, 60-day free returns, and 30% off at coastal.com slash aura. Only for a limited time. Spelled coastal, C-O-A-S-T-A-L dot com slash aura. And some restrictions do apply. BetterHelp. It's helped me so much, and I know it'll help you guys too. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You know, 2020 was interesting, okay? So we need to do a mental health check-in. How are you really, and what do you need right now? You know, therapy can really help you, and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist and under. 48 hours. You know, therapy is whatever you want it to be. Like I say, sometimes you might have issues that you're aware of. Sometimes you just feel numb or disconnected. That's a reason to go to therapy too. There's actually no reason to go except just trying it out, trying to get closer to yourself. When I go, I get amazing insight into my thoughts and my self-analyzation, and my therapist gives me wonderful suggestions that just helps my life better, and I live a more thoughtful, mindful existence since BetterHelp Therapy. Um, join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Know Your Aura listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash KYA. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash K-Y-A. It's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. Betterhelp.com slash KYA. Y-A, and get 10% off your first month. All right. So I figured today, because we're talking about kids, we were talking about kids, um, we'd orisplain, but we kind of do kids. Kid orisplain. Yeah, kid orisplain. Okay, cool. All right. So here we go. These were all sent into the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family on Facebook, uh, and I just selected four with kids. Okay. All right. Our first one is Sarah J. Okay. Okay. Would love to know mine and my son's colors. We both hate confrontation, but I have gotten better with therapy. My son is the sweetest and kindest soul. I feel that I can be inauthentic yellow or because of my career in a male-dominated field, but also I think I'm blue because I just don't know things. I just know things. She knows things. And I can tell if a person is good or bad, usually upon meeting them. I also have been known to date narcissists, and I have done a lot of work to move past those tendencies. My son is shy around most people he doesn't know. He is my protector. About to navigate these teenage years. Would love to know how to help him best while he grows and develops. And then there's a picture of her and her son. She's got a funny hat on. She's <laughs> making kind of a you know, quirky face. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so you wore a spleen. Go ahead. Oh, boy. Now, kids, I cannot wear a spleen. Oh, I really? am not at that level. No. Oh. Um, I, I just have no idea when it comes to oh, that. Really? I can't even get a vibe or anything. Okay. You know, yeah, I'll explain that. But yeah. go ahead. I mean, what from, about her? Just from the picture and everything. I, I mean, there's got to be some purple in there. Mm-hmm. Just from that picture and the hat. Yeah. Um, I, but I really, with the kids, yeah, I'm gonna leave that up to you. All right. Well, she's purple blue. Oh, okay. But she's right. She wears an authentic yellow. Okay. And then her son. Okay. So that's so kids are harder to kind of, I guess, energy read. Even well, yeah. Not for like for me, it's actually really easy to see them more than adults. But I can see what 
trying to get a vibe off of kids because kids just feel like kids. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Kids, kids are just like they're all goofy and joyful and happy. I mean, when we don't see a kid like that, it's very sad, actually. You know, so like that's just how kids are. They're very in the moment. They're like puppies. Like, yeah. oh my god, there's like so they have like a a common characteristic of just being children, but um. If, if, if you're parenting one or teaching them or working with them, you can see the differences. But her son, okay, so he's very blue. That's the first thing. I look at him, he's so blue. He wow. has yellow on him, but it's not inauthentic. So I get a couple things. One, she's probably inauthentic from her job, inauthentic yellow from her job. But I also feel like she tries to absorb him with her blue to try to understand him because he feels like he's a little bit particular about things and that can cause him anxiety. Did she say that? I don't even know. Did she say that? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, she's basically saying that. Yeah, okay, my son is shy around people. He doesn't know. Yeah, okay, but I get him being a little bit like a little obsessive about things that like don't go his way or it's a yellow kid thing. Like, oh my God, that's not how it was supposed to go. And then they can get anxiety because yellow kids love to know what's coming up. Like what's the schedule for this week or where are we going? Or if you're going on errands with them, you know, usually most kids don't give any care like where we're going. Hey, but but yellow kids want to know and red kids do too, but yellow kids want to know like, where are we going first? Then where? Then what? Or they'll look at like what's going on this week? What's happening tomorrow? What's Tuesday? What's Wednesday? What's coming up? So I he need like he needs that. I feel like he needs that to feel in control. But he's very blue. And it's just two blues there. It can be hard to like, you know, uh, it can be a little triggering sometimes if you're blue mm-hmm. and then your kid's blue because then you're like, oh my God, they're not speaking up for myself. And I don't know how to do that for myself right now. So like now I have to navigate him through something that I'm not that good at. you know. And, and it's just, it can yeah. be, you know, I, I go through that myself. So I yeah. get it from her point of view too. But yeah, he's blue and yellow. Okay. That's amazing because like, I, I mean, for the kids, I can't, I can't. I mean, maybe he's, he just feels like when yeah. I look at him, he feels very sweet, Yeah, but he also feels like he can get nervous Okay, more than kids get nervous. All right. Here is our next one. We have Jackie B. Uh, there's a picture with her and her daughter. Uh, she does have sunglasses on, so I don't know if you'll be able to tell because uh, Mr. Candle does need to see eyes in pictures. So if you are sending these in, she does need to see your eyes, but we'll see what we can do. Okay. My daughter and I, we butt heads a lot as she is four years old, turning 18 in June. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aren't they all, right? That's funny. Knowing her colors as well as mine might help me to understand some of the arguments we get into as well as help me let go of some of the control I feel I'm losing with this wild child of okay. mine. This is good. Okay. Well, all right. Or explain it. Go ahead. Well, all right. So they're, they're butting heads, so they probably have one color that's the same. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, that's good. That's a good yeah, one. So I'm assuming there's one color the same. I don't know what that color is. Um, you'll probably be able to help us with that. I mean, from the, the picture of the little girl, she looks very sweet, uh, and she doesn't look like someone that would butt head. So it's I know, tough. She's this, sweetie. Yeah, this is tough for me. The, yeah. the kids are tough. What do you okay, think? Okay. So when I look at Jackie, although she is wearing sunglasses, um, I feel like she's I see purple and blue, but I bet you anything she's like one of those blues that thought she was yellow. Okay. Like she thinks she's purple yellow, but she's really purple blue, which I explained in my aura confusion episode I did a couple of weeks ago. But anyways, she's and, and the thing is is sometimes with blue people, this is the mom, sometimes with, with Jackie, sometimes with blue people, they feel things so much with everyone around them, they want to control it so that the vibe doesn't feel off. And I feel like that's Jackie's thing. Okay. So her thing is like, oh my gosh, you know, I want to make sure everything runs smooth. I want you to be accepted. I want your life to be okay. I don't want you to get into trouble. I, I want the teachers to like you. I just want your life to be easier because I'm going to feel it if it's not. 
which I think a lot of us, you know, empath parents can understand. Like we don't want to feel the consequences of our child's actions on them. So now her daughter super doesn't care though, because she's purple <laughs> too. Okay. And she's purple and she's more purple than she is blue. Now, of course she's a sweetie. Yeah. But the thing is with purples is they, this is the age when they can start to get a little purple shamed. In life, because purples naturally, hey, I see you're upset. I see you're upset, mom. I see this person's upset. I see my teacher's upset. I see whatever's going. I see all the emotions of people around me. I recognize it. I just know it's them and not me. So why would I internalize it? So that's why purple kids can be a little bit like, yeah, I know that person does, you know, isn't cool with me or whatever, but uh, I can handle it. And then like what we, what we as just like, which I'm going to talk about in our adages as, you know, just parenting adages, it's like, no, you you're, take a certain amount of responsibility for how you impact others, which is important. But at the same time, like sometimes it's not like if somebody has an issue with you, that's not something that, you know, it, it, it it's not always your need to be different to make them have less of an issue if it's not, you know, so we have to more, does that make sense? Yeah. We have to more like parent on is this is this are we supposed to be more empathetic right now or are we supposed to notice where it's coming from more like that instead of our own reactions i hope i'm explaining that correctly no that makes perfect but sense. yeah she's very purple. purple and jackie's purple too but i can see jackie not being as cool with her purple as her daughter is and trying to shape the purple to be more societally acceptable purple okay so that's their journey together embrace the purple all right Our next one is Heidi R. Okay. She writes, figuring out his aura was what drew me to Mystic Michaela in the first place. Oh, I love that. Meet Jackson. He gifts wraps his toys for people. Oh, my God. Puts them in gift bags. Oh, my God. And gives them away to friends and family. That's so sweet. Oh, that's so nice. That's such a sweet baby. Why why does my kid do that? (laughs) He loves a good activity where he can sit down and build slash create and focus. Mm -hmm. He can be a bossy boost. (laughs) Bossy boots, okay. I love that. But in a way, that gets people on board with his ideas. Yeah. So here's a picture of Jackson. Uh, he's got all these hearts behind him. He looks like he created something, some type. Some it looks pancake like pancakes or, or something, something, maybe, or maybe Heidi did those. So I mean, I, I mean, he just sounds like a s- sweet kid. So I would assume there's a lot of empathy colors <laughs> he's like there. An old soul. Um, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming from all these things, there's a lot of empathy colors there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which would probably put the blue or the indigo. And then you know, the he's saying, well, he's a bossy boots, and he likes to get people on board. So that's either going to be the red or the yellow. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, he doesn't look. And he doesn't look red at all to me mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, what, what, what's your take? So a lot of kids are blue and I talk, I'm going to talk about this in my spiel coming up. Um, but, and kids do change. I want to say that too. Kids do can change and shift and, and whatnot with their aura colors. But when I look at um, Jackson, he's so blue yeah. and I can't figure out if he's green or yellow because I see them both. And she didn't include a picture of herself. I wonder if she's yellow okay. because I can see him absorbing his mother a bit, but he could be green, blue, but he's absorbing his mom and trying to do things her way. But then also just the way that he, the enthusiastic, the leadership, the kind of like, hey, the visionary, I, I feel like he's got some green tendencies in there. Also, he feels like he's just an adult in a kid's body. So I just get him being like, very comfortable speaking to his teachers or other adults um, about, you know, about topics that interest him or being like, hey, did you look at this? Or, hey, I saw this. Or, hey, like that kind of thing. Um, kind of like, yeah, like a, a 
a positively precocious child, like, okay. like that. So he, I feel like he's green, blue, but there's yellow in there. It's not inauthentic. It's just he could be absorbing it from mom, which a lot of our kids do. Okay. And I just want to give this message to Jackson. Um, you know, I do like chocolate-covered pretzels, uh, anything like that. If you want to <laughs> yeah, gift wrap that. That's a new low, Scott. And send it to me. That's a new low. All right. Okay. I mean, all, right. <laughs> all right. The last one is from Jess R. Now, she sent in a picture. It's not a kid, but he might as well be one. It seems like he might be a goofy guy, but okay. he is over age. He's, he's over 18. So here we go. I assume. Isn't that creepy? Like well, he's over age. Well, he's you know he's he's of legal I, age. When I tell you what the picture <laughs> You're is, trying, this isn't a kid. He's not a kid. Yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, he seems like he might have kid energy. But you, yes. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. All right. This one's for you, Scott. Jumanji strip podcast. <laughs> I mean, if you write that, of course you're going to get on the show. Or explain my boyfriend of five years. My boyfriend loves self care, dislikes parties, and has strict boundaries. On the contrary, he is very outspoken. Loves public speaking, is firm in his beliefs, and loves freedom of lifestyle. Apparently. What you, he is currently training to be a physics high school teacher and working with kids. Hopefully this photo doesn't get out. Is one of his favorite things to do. <laughs> My family and friends and I cannot agree on an aura for him. Some of us think he's indigo. Others green or red. Sometimes he's also full on purple and is dropping bombs everywhere. Also, he hates photos being taken of him unless it's on his terms. Here is a photo of him on our mountain getaway, and the silly, seductive photo was his idea. I'll let you imagine what Thanks that is. to you and Mystic Michaela. You're amazing. Aww. And let me explain this photo. Okay, go ahead. It is a man. He is totally naked in a bathtub. <laughs> he is, I believe, eating something out of a mug. There is a heart emoji over anything. Yes, there is a heart emoji over his parts. <laughs> um. But he is eating. He is naked in the tub eating something out of a mug with a spoon. So, like, I don't know if that's like a soup or I think that. he's like, being like hysterical. Yeah. I, and look, I, I mean, and then there's he's like funny. this. It's really funny. There's a lot of, like, you could really, I love taking pictures like this and like, like, um, zooming in. Yes. Oh, my. Whoa, whoa. Don't do me. Not oh, on whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, oh, oh. I meant Mystic like there's Michaela. this like jug of water. It's yeah. just funny. It looks like, like, you know, like could be like the Poconos or something. I don't yeah. even know with that brick wall. <laughs> Um, it's like one of those like lovers' sweets. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, this is a really funny picture. But right, so, I mean, what do you think he is? I mean, th- I mean, he could be any color based on those. But you know, I, I would think it. Well, if he wants to be a physics teacher, that that that's a green tell. Mm. Uh, but he is like you said, he, he likes to take the photo on his own terms. He's got that kind of, I assume, has some you know a funny sense of humor. Um, he's outspoken, loves public speaking, firm in his beliefs. That, I mean, that sounds like a lot like me. Yeah. Like a red. It sounded just like you. Everything sounded, sounded, yeah, sounded, like, sounded like, like you. Yeah, me. Other than the physics, because I'm not into physics. Well, it's just um, teaching. Yeah, it's just yeah. teaching. I mean, he could be a red-blue. He is a red-blue. Yes! Yeah, he's Woo-hoo! a red-blue. That's good. Yeah, the physics thing can throw you off, because yeah. the green person thing. Red people can do physics, too. But, you know, teaching... Yeah. Not that green people don't do what they do, but teaching is a very red, like reds, reds and purples, like, and yellows, okay? Like, independent people like to get into teaching because you do have your own classroom experience that can feel autonomous for the most part um but yeah he's red red blue yeah he's red blue that's so funny yeah 
Thank you so much, Jess, for sending that in. All right, we have two ads. Two more ads. And oh my gosh, you guys, I hope you haven't been skipping ahead because we have Dipsy voice model here Yes. for our Dipsy ad. This is exciting. My newest story. Oh my God. It's called the new parachute. Oh my god, you're gonna. Oh, okay. So just because you're grown up doesn't mean you've outgrown your bedtime stories. Whether you want a story to turn you on or wind you down for better sleep, Dipsy helps you get in touch with yourself for some extra sweet dreams. I needed a new pair of shoes, but didn't have much money. Um, our Dipsy voice model here with us today. He's here to turn you off when the app turns you on too much. Correct. So just some context. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories, and they're designed to turn you on. I went to an estate sale. <laughs> oh, each Dipsy story features characters that will feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you'll feel like you're right there. I rummaged through old books, toys. And glassware. Oh, Scott, you're, I mean, Dipsy voice model, you're really doing the job. Glassware. <laughs> Find stories about an off-limits hookup with your professor or a costume party that takes things to the next level or maybe a story where your partner tells you exactly what to do or you try a new toy together. I then saw the perfect pair of shoes. They release new stories every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. The estate manager told me, The previous owner had passed those shoes. Okay. (laughs) Remember, (laughs) when you get turned on, you can listen to this Dipsy voice model to turn you off. That's the angle. Dipsy also has wellness sessions to help you learn more about yourself and bedtime stories and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. I can't go on with this story. (laughs) Okay, and for listeners of the show, Dipsy's offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash KYA. Hey, that's 30 days free when you go to Dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A, stories.com slash KYA, dipsystories.com slash KYA. Give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, voice model. You're welcome. (laughs) So such a blessing when you come see us. Paying off debt is one of those things that weighs on my mind. I know it weighs on a lot of people's minds. And here's a solution for you today. Because when it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like this uphill battle. Um, It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, high interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keeps you in this like endless cycle of debt. And Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan. And it's all online, whether it's paying off your credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and your employment history. This means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute, that's it, five minutes online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And you can receive funds as fast as one, as one business day after accepting your loan. So here's what to do next. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to Upstart dot com slash kya that's upstart.com slash kya don't forget to use our url to let them know we sent you we really appreciate that loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application go to upstart 
dot com slash KYA and get that off your mind. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. All, All right. right. All right. So let's hear uh, about kids and oracles. Kids color. and oracles. Let's do it. This episode was something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I was really overwhelmed with the amount of things that are part of this. So I decided to like split it up a little bit over several episodes. And the first one, this is Aura Color Kids. So we're going to talk about how every Aura Color operates uniquely in children. And as we do this, I want you to think about your own children if you have them. And I also want you to think about your own relationship with your parents and maybe how you were as a child versus how you are now and how that could impact um, the relationship you have with your parents, just how, how they dealt with it. What I see is a lot in parenting and myself included is um, the more our children are like us, the more it can kind of like trigger us, especially with things that we've left unhealed in ourselves. So it's something that I'm going to talk about, something to notice as we go through this, how parenting our children can trigger our own unhealed parts and also how perhaps we as children triggered our caregivers' unhealed parts and how that impacted us today. Note, I'm super not a parenting expert. I'm trying to do this myself with my 12 and 6-year-old and I'm absolutely sure I... (laughs) I'm not doing it 100% correctly, Um, and I'm fully accepting of that, that one day they'll tell me all the things I did wrong, so I'm not coming at you from a know-it-all perspective at all. This is just what I notice in Aura Color, doing lots of readings for wonderful parents who are trying their best and just what Spirit's given me um, as downloads with their Aura Colors, what that means, how that presents itself in them and how we can celebrate their uniqueness so that we can try as best as we can to keep them as authentically themselves as they were born to us. Um, and, and also within yourself, where are, all the, where are all the parts of you that got covered up in your childhood? Where are all the things that you have to rebirth in yourself that perhaps got tucked away somewhere over all these years? Another note, empath kids. Totally want to talk about empath kids. I want to do it more fully in another episode. But in the Recovering Empath Workshop, I do every so often, a reoccurring question is, like, is everyone an empath? Like, what is that? And and the thing is, is, and I've done episodes on this, empathic versus empath. I see, when I read children, they're all empaths. And what happens is, over time things shut down or they just naturally maybe grow more empathic than empaths, which is fine. But then I'll also see something having to do with self-awareness. And we all know that person who's very sensitive and very kind and they mean well, but they have like zero self-awareness. They're the person that goes on and on and on about their day, you know, even though they, they, and for some reason they can't tell that you're burned out. You can't hear it right now. Like this isn't the time. They're the person that always has something to ask you for when obviously you're on your way out the door or something. They don't pick up cues. And at some point they've just lost their self-awareness, which is just, it can, it doesn't mean you're not an empath. It just means you're not an aware one. So when I talk about the recovering empath in episode four, and I talk about that a lot, 
Um, one of the stages is programmed and invisible empaths. And sometimes when you're in those stages, you're not as aware or something. So it's kind of like, you know, you feel other people's feelings as your own. Even if you kind of pick that up, like you're sensitive to that, but you're not picking up that other people have their stuff going on too. So it's another thing that it's really important to give to our children the perspective of there's more than just you in this world. And that's going to help keep their empath ability strong because I really do feel like we're raising a generation of awakened empaths because we are way more aware of what empathy is and how precious vulnerability is and how strong it makes us versus in tucking that away and putting it away. Um, So that's another thing I'm seeing. And then lastly, before I get into the colors, I want to talk generally about adages for children. There's a lot of them, you know, quitters, you know, never win. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, play, you know, good sportsmanship or, you know, there's, you know, don't be a sore winner or there's, there's a lot of different things that, or, you know, we, we kind of shove down their throats, you know, you do well in school and all these things and, and so, and they're good, but they have, every child is unique. So like, for example, with quitting, I'm going to talk about some kids, you can push them and some kids you can't. And, and I see it centering around aura colors a lot. Um, and it's just because it's something that society tells us, hey, this is how we're all supposed to parent. This is how you're supposed to raise a human. Or it's something that you went through, some struggle you went through. It doesn't mean that it's a good thing to regurgitate into your parenting anymore. It's okay to kind of check all these adages about parenting and how to raise kids. It's okay to check them at the door and just be like, is this, is this going to work for my family or not? And it's okay to really look at that and rework it and make it authentic to you, not just bring it in willy-nilly just because that's what happened to you and that's what everybody else is doing and that's how the neighbors do it or whatever. It's like, wait a second, let's see if this works for us. And if it does, let's see how I can make it authentic to us. Just having a more conscious approach to, and listen, I'm, like I said, I'm working on this too, having a more conscious approach to raising these people, um, that are given to us, our children. Okay. So let's get into it. Um, all right. So I'm going to do all the colors, blue kids. Most kids I see are blue or they have it on them, or that's like the first color I'll see or something. Most kids are blue. I will say, I just feel like, oh, 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 and this is, oh, I forgot to mention this. Another thing with the empath awakening with children and this generation, I, I can see auras as long as I have a photo. So as long as we've had photography, I can look at auras. So sometimes when I look at, I like to look at photos, (laughs) so weird. I like to look at photos from like generations past, you know, like early 1900s, late 1800s, like whatever. The kids look different. Okay. Like the auras are very muddled. They're very fuzzy blue. I just feel like we're raising kids different than we, than we did. And a lot of this is just sometimes like the culture is what it is. Like, you know, if I see like immigrant children, like their life is hard. Like, like there's some of it's survival. Like you can't, we don't have time for individualistic parenting. Okay. Like there's a bunch of you, we got to live and you got to do what mom and dad say. Otherwise we're not eating tonight. Like sometimes it's like for reals, you know, like that. And so I get it, but I think there was more of that, like hundred years ago, you know, more than that. And what happens is, is that, that, 
those philosophies, those ancestral family vibrations still live in you today. It takes generations to clean up trauma that, and that could be a whole other podcast, like um, ancestral trauma and family trauma and that vibration and how it, how parents, how your parents were affected by it, how you're being affected by it today. It takes generations for that to kind of clear up. So you have to keep that in mind that the cultural context or the socioeconomic place you're in or God, you know, God willing, you're in a good place in life versus what your ancestors were in. You're still parenting with stuff that served them, but isn't exactly applicable to you now, if that makes sense. Because I will look at kids from forever ago and they have like this fuzzy blue thing going on, which just means because it was fuzzy. Sometimes it's authentic. Sometimes it's not in the kids. And what it means is generally it was a lot of it's not about you, okay? This isn't about you. Nothing's about you. This is about mom and dad and us getting through things and we're not looking at you and worrying about your development so much. Like, and you better understand that. And that's how they survived. They were like, okay, I will do what you say. And that's how I'll get love from you. So that stuff is being carried on. And kids are primed. And I wonder if this is some sort of, I don't know, like, survival instinct to be born kind of blue because kids are primed at birth to like latch on to you and and feed on your energy so if you're listen like we're all stressed when we're new parents but if you're like extra stressed like a lot of people I read I mean they, they're going through something you know and they have this baby and then like maybe there's a the divorce situation or maybe there's money situation or something all that's your kid picks up on that energetically and so a lot of that, and this is why I wonder if kids are primed with being blue, that's like just natural empaths, because as a natural empath, that's how you read mom and dad, and that's how mom and dad read you, because the energy is um, nonverbal, and blues are nonverbal communicators. That's their gift. So back to the blue kids thing. A lot of kids I see are blue. Now, the ones that stay blue, okay, they're just naturally sensitive, they're just naturally sensitive boys and girls, okay? And there's nothing wrong with a sensitive boy. And, oh gosh, I mean, I'm sure if your mom's, like, you've gone through things like this. Um, I was just, uh, you know, first day of school. My little one was going to kindergarten and all new moms and stuff. And talking, you know, this is my second time taking a kid to kindergarten. So it's very different than your first time. <laughs> you know, you're just like, you're fine. Have a great day. Well, the the mom taking her kid to kindergarten for the first time, you know, was nervous, yellow, yellow, blue lady. Okay. A little nervous. And, you know, her, you know, her kid is very green and very blue. And she's kind of talking to me like you do when you're nervous, you just talk to people or whatever. And I'm listening, of course. And she's kind of going on and on. Well, he's, I don't know, he doesn't really fit in with the other boys and his brother's his younger brother's tougher than he is. And, you know, I just, I got to get him tougher and he doesn't quite fit in. And, um, you know, he had a stuffed animal she's like, he won't let the stuffed animal go. And like, there was like this whole war with her not being able, you know, taking the stuffed animal away from him. And I think at one point I was like, well, can't he just stick it in his backpack? No one will know what's in his backpack and he'll know. And like, it was like this whole thing. Like she was almost ashamed that people would see that her kid isn't manly or something. And man, it triggered me. It triggered me. And I didn't want to be like, hey, I'm an aura reader and your kid's like blue and green and it's super cool that he's blue. It's like sensitive boy. It's okay. He'll be okay. Just give him a couple days. Let him bring the freaking stuffed animal. It's cool. You know, and it's just, that was her issue, not his. And blue kids are just naturally more sensitive. They pick up a lot. And blue boys, 
aren't as acceptable crying at the kindergarten classroom door than blue girls in our society. They should be, but for whatever reason, it's not. It's not abnormal that your little blue boy is crying. That's okay. That's not a big deal. But for some reason, it's looked upon as negative. So it's just something to pay attention to. Like blue boys will cry a lot, just like blue girls will. They'll just cry. Like they'll cry. They'll go through the crying stages a little bit more too. <laughs> like they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're still crying when they're upset about something. That's okay. But the problem is, is when you have a 10-year-old boy and now he's crying about something, dad can get triggered. Mom can get triggered. Oh my God, he's not going to be able to cope. Oh my gosh, people are going to say this about him. Oh my gosh, other kids are going to see that he's a crier and they're going to call him crybaby. Yeah, that's probably going to happen, but not, you know, maybe it's not as bad if you're like, hey, it's okay to release emotions. This is just how you process things. You cry and then you feel better. That's what blue people do. We cry, we feel better. It's okay. So, I just see a lot of that with crying and kids and, and, you know, the difference between boys and girls. They just kind of need their mom and dad a little bit more. Um, Maybe they're harder to get out of the the co-sleeping situations. Maybe they're the ones crawling into bed with you at night. You know, you just let them, you know, let them. Um, You have to have your own boundaries, of course, so that you don't lose it as a parent. But, like, sometimes they just need you. Uh, you little things with like their animals, their stuffed animals, you know, like I was talking about him with the stuffed animal, that little boy, but like stuffed animals are real to them. That's like their babies. That's their, they, they name them. They, they have personalities. They like to personify objects, personify their toys. They become very special to them. Um, they don't like to, uh, I I always think like Andy from Toy Story was a blue, you know, like he made sure everybody was paid attention to and whatnot. The glow. I talk about this a lot with blue kids, the glow. It's what I named feeling that which is greater than us in other people. They love to make people feel loved and seen that. And when they do that, they feel that other person's glow, which is just God or whatever you want to call it inside of somebody else. So if they can do that by here, I'm going to share my treat with you. I'm going to share my crayon or I'm going to welcome you or I'm going to give you a hug or whatever. If they can feel that another person feels belonging and happy, then they're happy because yes, empaths borrow emotions, but that's a nice emotion to borrow. Like when you make somebody feel good about themselves and they feel loved and seen little blue kids they live off of that which is why they're not super into competitive sports like you can put them in them (laughs) and depending on their other color like maybe they're blue red okay you know but maybe they can they can handle it or whatever but like if they you know they're more about hey we all won or getting the ice cream after (laughs) as a team than they are like getting the winning score like they're the ones that might be better at passing the ball or whatever than they are at the ones you know taking the shot and for them it feels the same if they could help somebody else take the shot if they were the one that passed it to the guy that took the shot or passed it to the girl that took the shot like then they're gonna feel great about themselves and it's just as fun as if they made the shot themselves and truly all they want is the ice cream after. So like if we just kind of re- reframe what sports is for blue kids, it would help them a lot and uh, and feed into that motivation versus winning. You know, that's just not, it's okay. It's not their thing. Um, they can be accused of being pleasers and followers. They are pleasers. That's right. I think we have to own certain people being pleasers. Is that negative? 
Sure. If you're not taught that you're a pleaser, because like if you're taught like, hey, you borrow people's emotions as your own. And if you're not careful, what can happen is people are going to take advantage of that. So you have to make sure that you're pleasing the people that want to please you back. You're not just pleasing a lot of takers. So it's just something to make your kids aware of. Like, yeah, I know it makes you feel good when you give so-and-so, you know, your scooter to play on. But I noticed that he called you a nasty name. So I don't think we should give give our time and our energy and our toys to people or share with people or share our hearts with people who say nasty things to us. No, no, no. You know, it's a, you know, in kids terms, just try to start teaching them like, no, we only please people who are kind to us. Okay. Then we can be pleasers to them because then they're, they're, it's a, it's a mutual relationship. They appreciate it. Um, blue people can be a little shy. You know, when you feel other people looking at you all the time, you're not really the one that wants to raise your hand or talk or, or stick out of the group. That's okay. Blue kids can have a lot of fears, a lot of phobias, a lot of fears about things that you don't even know why that's a fear for them. Um, then you kind of get into the point, like, do I want to, I don't want to like encourage this fear, but I also don't want to dismiss the fear. Uh, you know, if your kid's scared of fires, for example, and they're like, really scared of having a fire and they're really scared of dying in a fire. I mean, I hear this stuff all the time with kids, like these really like, where is this fear coming from kind of stuff? You know, blue kids understand, they have a deeper understanding of, I think, the perspective of life, that this is a precious thing. They love people around them so much that they get scared of losing them. Um, It's an old soul thing a lot of times. So, just with like, let's just take the fear of a fire, for example, like, okay, I understand. I validate this fear. Yes, it could happen, but here, look at this. Here's your smoke alarm. Here's how to open the window. Here's, you know, like, here's our fire escape plan for our family. Like maybe just give them the tools for the, so they don't feel like they're so out of control with it and validate and just, you know, listen. Um, That's like one of those things where, it, it's hard for parents because they're like, stop it. That's not going to happen. That's not going to work for a blue kid. Like you have to kind of sit down with them and hash it out. And then you like worry, like, do they need therapy? I'm like maybe they do. It's okay to get your kids therapy, by the way. Like it's just like a well visit or anything else. Like if they need a therapist, let them talk about it um, to somebody else. That's okay. You know, blue kids just don't take things for granted. I think that's, that's an overall thing with blue kids. They have an ability to see that, not everything's permanent, and that can make them a little more fearful and anxious about losing things. Okay, red kids. Red kids. Red kids, you know, they don't like surprises. <laughs> I have a red kid. Um, and I talked about this on the Aura Gift-Giving Guide episode, but what happened was is my eldest would be like, I mean, she. how do I put this? Um, and this is where the adages come in, and this is like a vulnerable parenting moment from me and Scott. Here we go. So my eldest made a list of what she wanted for Christmas. And the year before we just got, like, we always would just get what, you know, we got here. This is what you got here. Merry Christmas. This is what we got you. And she was very disappointed two years ago. And, you know, my husband and I, Scott and I were like, you know, that's how ungrateful. Like, that's really rude. Or like, what's, what's going on with that? Like we had some really issues like, you know, even like, did we not make a good Christmas? And then we shouldn't think about that. You know, like what's wrong with us that we're thinking, you know, this is, she should, anything's bonus that you're getting, you know, so kind of those adages coming in of, 
be grateful. You know, she acted ungrateful. She didn't act ungrateful. She was just kind of, you could, you know, I know my kid and I could tell she wasn't happy. So it was kind of a bummer. So like this year, I'm like, listen, just make a list and I'll just get you what's off the list. And Scott had kind of like this, and Scott's red too. Scott kind of had this issue like, no, that's not how we're doing it. You know, this is our money. This is our time. This is, we're going to get her what we want to get her. We're, you know, we're not, I'm not going to be controlled by her. And I thought about it. I thought how she's red. And I thought how she has anxiety about things sometimes. And I thought about how I'm just, for whatever reason, she doesn't like to be surprised. It makes her feel out of control. And I told this to Scott and he was like, fine. You know what? She even went, she even went with us and and picked out the things that we were going to wrap up for her. And we were like, fine, this is just, we're just going to play do it her way. And I'll tell you, we had the best Christmas. Everything that she got, she knew she was getting and she was happy. And she, and what I realized is she didn't have anxiety anymore, that the anxiety of, of not knowing what you're getting and then not reacting properly or not understanding it or processing it was too much for her the year before. And now she felt like she had control over it and I just went along with it. I mean, and I told her this is the budget and we're not going over it. And she told, she was fine with that. She went within the budget and it worked out. And I think I had to drop a lot of the way I was raised, which is, hey, you're lucky. Whatever you get, you better smile and be happy (laughs) like that. I had to drop that off back to the whole generational parenting thing, things that were carried down into my parenting from people that maybe did have less or, or couldn't do what I could do now and drop it. And so that made our relationship a lot better. And now that's what we do for all any gift giving occasion. It's like, here you go. Um, so that's my red kid story, but like other things, red kids are competitive. When I used to teach, I tell this story all the time. Like they, you know, this is the difference between red kids and green kids, which I'll get into it. If, if red kids, red kids and green kids, if they don't like something in school, you better believe they're not going to learn it. They don't care. The difference between red and green kids though, is that red kids, you can motivate them to do it with external motivations. Greens, you can't really do that. They still don't care, but reds, you, if you externally motivate them, oh man, they'll do it. And so they say, like, don't bribe your kids for grades. And yeah, maybe you shouldn't, but it will work if you have a red child. It will work. There's other ways you can do it too. You know, maybe um, the thing with red kids is they have to see something in their own value. They have to make it worth their own value. Sometimes a red person's motivation is just intrinsic. Like, I want the best grade in the class. I want to win. I want to prove to myself that I can get the highest grade. I want to prove to myself that challenge, that I can squash it. I can crush it. I want to prove to myself. It's not about the subject matter. It becomes about winning this war against themselves or whatever. But like I said, when I was teaching, if I was teaching something, I did it all the time, but especially if it was something nobody cared about, like some grammar lesson, like nobody really care about, like here are the past tense of uh, IR verbs or something. Cause I taught, I taught Spanish. Um, make it, a, make it a flipping game. Oh, forget it. The red kids will they will kill. They will kill. They, blood is on the line for to win. And like my prize was like, what, a Tootsie Roll Pop? They would do anything for that because they just wanted to win. And it was great. Like their enthusiasm. Then all of a sudden they, you see the leaders pop out, these red kids. They're like, come on, everybody. They're like the biggest champions in the room for learning the past tense of IR verbs. You know, like they're like, we got this. We're going to learn it. Like that's how you motivate them. Um, they love competition. They love to be motivated. They love a prize, anything like that. The other thing with red kids is responsibility helps them. They love, they love to work. You give them a job, they'll go for it because they're working for their own, I guess, exchange of currency or like whatever. So they love to work, give them jobs. 
Um, again, you should do something because you want to. Eh, red kids, that might work for blues. Like the blues are great helpers. You know, blues are great helper kids because they're like, oh, they'll follow you around. What can I help you with? They just want to feel your joy and that you feel like calm and they want to help you. Red kids are like, mm, no, that's not going to work for me. So like, what's in it for me? And yeah, you, again, these old adages, that's a selfish child, da, da, da. Mm, you know, they just, they need some sort of way to make it worth it to them. Um... So yeah, give them responsibility. It makes them feel better anyways. Make them in charge of something. You know, if they're old enough, let them watch their little siblings for a little bit. Let Make them in charge of the dog. You know, all those things. Make them in charge of the guinea pig. Like whatever it is, like they need to feel responsible and it gives them a ton of confidence. Uh, they're also very honest. They are just direct, honest brokers. It's just how they are. And everything has to be their idea. You know, if you want them to do something, you know, hey, you should have a friend over. No, I'm good. Okay. What do you want to do today? Have a friend over. Okay. There's like two, you know, you just open-ended questions for things. Yes. That sounds like a lot of tiptoeing around them, but, and sometimes you can't do that with parenting. Sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, I'm putting my foot down today, but when you have the times that you can do it, it's nice to give them their own confidence in decision-making. Oh, and the other thing with reds is give them natural consequences. Oh, oh, you want to go running outside in your flip-flops? Okay, let's see how that works for you. They come back with their stub toe. You know, that's when the I told you so does work, okay? <laughs> that's when you're like, well, natural consequence. Told you so. Okay, like that's it. Like you have to kind of let them, they learn best from their own mistakes, so let them make them. Yellow kids. Yellow kids. I spe- You know, yellow boys. The thing with, just I have to mention boys versus girls in this one. Yellow girls, very celebrated. Yellow boys celebrated for a while and then society gets on them so yellow kids boys and girls alike enjoy coordination they do not you know the belt matches the pants matches the shoes matches the socks matches the hat matches the they are into it the vest the do ba do like like they have a whole outfit they will yellow kids boys included are more open to wearing accessory clothes like maybe a vest or a hat or a bow like or a belt whereas like your other aura colored kids are like, screw that. I'm super not wearing a belt. Like those are too hard for me. But your, but your yellow kid might be like, I can do this because it looks good. And what happens when you have a yellow boy who is super cool with coordinating and who really wants their shoes to match their belt, to match their hat, to match their bow tie? What do they get called? Yeah, exactly. They get called feminine or people make assumptions about their sexuality or their sexual preference at such a young age. It's awful. That's what happens though. That's what happens. Now, a lot of the people I read aren't super not doing that at all, but their friends will at school, you know, you better believe the neighbors will, that annoying uh, friend of the friend, family comes over and I'll say something, you know, it's, it's, it's awful and it cuts them, you know, so moms yelling, those moms and dads out there raising their yellow boys. I know they got their mouths working against this. They know in their, you know, they, I, I read so many mothers who are just really strongly protective of their lovely little yellow boys who are just, and they're wonderful. Yellow kids are just, they really are wonderful. Yellow boys are funny because um, they, they're really good at sewing or crafting or cooking or all those things. And I'm telling you, it doesn't mean, it has nothing to do with 
who they're going to marry later. Okay. I think that that's like this, this, this societal nonsense and it has nothing to do with that. It's just our culture celebrates that more in girls than boys. So yellow boys get pushed green a lot. Oh, you like to sew? Okay. How about you build these model airplanes? <laughs> like, okay. Oh, you like to sew? Hmm. How about we learn how to, I don't know, build the deck. You're going to help dad. And they can do that too. Cause yellows love to build and create and do all sorts of stuff. They just get, get then I'll see like a lot of yellow boys turn into men who have like this yellow green thing going on and they go into accounting or organizing or things like that. It's just how it works. Um, But yes, yellows. They love to be orderly with things too. And the thing is, honestly, it's going to be their way, not yours. So it's depending on the secondary color or, you know, how strong-willed your child is, um, they will totally have an orderly room. It might not be your idea of what orderly is, but it sure is their idea of orderly. And they will show you their system. Nope, this goes here. That does not go here. It goes over here. Mm -mm. Um, So yeah, they have their own way and they're very stuck on it. That's their thing. They do it. Like I said, they enjoy cooking and crafting and they're flipping good at it. Like, you can give them a hot glue gun at, like, six, and they'll figure it out. Uh-huh. But that's super not a recommendation. I'm just saying. Like, they probably will. Or you could, they can bake and stuff. They're kind of good at that. I don't know what it is. These kids keep their shoes clean. Yellow kids are good at keeping – you know, like, you give your – I don't know, me – I do not like to buy anything white for my children. You can do that for a yellow kid. You can buy the white polo shirt. You can do it. It's what a wonderful life you parents of yellow children must have. They're a little OCD though, and they can kind of freak out if they get a stain on something. That's why you teach them laundry. They love it. You know, at a very early age, you give them that stain stick, you stick it in their backpack. They're on top of that. Like, oh, at lunch, got a little ketchup, took out my stain stick. They're probably the only kids with little stain sticks. Give them a stain stick. They're into it. They'll use it. They can be very perfectionist on themselves. So you got to watch it. They're the ones that are like drawing something and they crumple it up and you're just like, whoa, calm down. <laughs> like you're just coloring in your coloring book. They can get very perfectionistic. So that's just a thing that I think we watch in them as parents. Um, oh, they do have the tattletale issue though, because they, they will tell adults how to do things better too. So it's equal opportunity, other children and adults. They're like the kid that raises their hand in class. Like teacher, um, excuse me, you forgot that homework that you said at the beginning of class we were getting, you forgot to assign it. And all the other kids are like, ah, <laughs> they just, they don't care. Um, they're very capable. And they're always little mommies and little daddies. They love to oversee other children um, and oh, another thing with yellow kids, they won't lose the parts to their toys. Like, you know, you give them like a Barbie and has like all the accessories. They, they will keep them together. Same thing with like the boys. Like you give them Legos and all the little pieces. They will keep that together. That's why yellow boys and green boys can get confused a little bit. All right. So that's yellow kids. Purple kids. Okay. So the whole thing, like we don't quit. Quitters never win. You know, I stuck you in Little League. You have to stay there for the whole season, even though you're crying every game. Okay, if your kid's purple, you got to let it go. You just let it go. I know. It's annoying. You paid for dance. Okay. You paid. Uh, the recital's coming up. She's refusing to go. Like, the, she just doesn't care anymore. That's the problem with purple kids. They have an issue with committing. It doesn't – so it's hard because, like, you you get to that point where you feel like the whole – we have to, I have to teach my kid to see something through versus they're not emotionally doing well. When you hit that point, always go to the emotional thing first. And maybe they have to do something else now if they're not. It's just pushing that, pushing a purple to do something just makes them rebellious in other areas. So 
purple kids are rebellious. So you have to kind of pick the place they're going to rebel. So if it's like, I don't know, if everything's a fight, which it can be with purple kids, pick and choose or craft your fights to be ones you truly don't care about. Um, like if they refuse to eat what you make them for dinner, which is a very purple kid thing to do, you know, all right, if you're not going to eat what I have for dinner, that's fine. I'm not going to sit here and make you, but you have to pick from the other two choices, like PB&J or mac and cheese, like whatever, like you, they need alternatives because they will willfully always fight against the man and you just don't want to be the man, you know? So I think that's, that's the struggle with purple kids, what do I make them do and what don't I make them do? And then if I have to make them do something, um, what are some alternatives I can use so I'm not forcing anyone to do anything? Because forcing them just makes themselves destructive to themselves. Uh, like anytime they feel controlled, they can like – and, and I hate – start. I hate – this is like a whole other episode. But like purple kids, I think like making your kids eat something isn't a great idea. And I realize it's, again, one of those adages from a long time ago, you know, because maybe grandpa didn't have anything to eat and you were told that growing up, you know, and that was something like, oh my God, you have to eat everything on his pl- on your plate. And, and, and God, thank you, God, for maybe you're not in the same situation as that. And if you're not in the same situation as that, where's the logic then? Like if truly there was nothing else to eat and this is it, or you're going to starve, like, yeah, then that makes sense to force your kid to eat everything. But if that's not the truth, your purple kid is going to see the holes in this and then they're going to see it as control and then they're going to get self-destructive on you. And that's when I worry about things popping up because what purples do, and it starts young, is they'll take it out on their own bodies and their own selves and their own well-being to teach you a lesson. And you don't want that. So that's when I worry about disordered eating or just self-harm or them just making bad choices with peers or things like that as they get older. So just something to notice, something to, again, These things can be really sensitive and vulnerable. It's just questioning the adages uh, that don't work anymore and don't make sense because the purple will see the holes in that no matter how they'll be four years old and being like, but we have a lot of food in the pantry, so I don't understand why you're saying I got to eat this like that, you know? Um, Okay. The more you're invested in things, the less they become invested in something. So like the more pushy you are about something, the more they're going to like detach from it. So kind of like, support, but don't go overboard with anything they do. They do like to try new things though. It's funny because they don't like to commit, but they do like to try new things. So if they try something, just be like, yeah, whatever. As long as you like it, you're in it. When you're done, I'm done like that. Whatevs. Um, they do like to be the center of attention and purple shaming starts early. Remember purple shaming? I see this a lot with purples where things that purple people do tend to be shamed by society. So, you know, little purple girl, she dresses up in her tutu. She comes downstairs in the middle of the family dinner. She's like, everyone listen to me. I'm going to sing a song. And maybe it's cute. Like year two, year three, year four, year five. Yeah. Now you're like six, seven, eight. It's like, mm, you're being the center of attention. And maybe they are, and maybe there's a time and a place for it. So we have to create times for it. (laughs) 
And maybe we have to, like, obviously, like, the self-awareness thing, back to the empaths and teaching them self-awareness, like, okay, wait a second, we're all talking. So you coming down and trying to be the center of attention right now doesn't work for us. Let's let's create a time that we all know that you're going to do this and plan for that instead of you just interrupting us and being like, we need to focus on you now. You know, it's kind of like teaching them self-awareness but still allowing them to express themselves without a negative connotation, like, hey, you're being a center of attention. Hey, you're you know, that's selfish. You know, it's trying to shape it because what happens is, is then they get, you know, they can get kind of a lot of, and I read all of you. So I know this happens is all the purple in you gets kind of shamed and then you shut it down. And then I don't know, it it manifests into other places in your life. You're like, you didn't ask for the job or you didn't speak up for yourself in a relationship or other things because you want to look selfish or be the center of attention or all these things that were agreements made a really long time ago when all you want to do is put on the tutu and sing for people, and they just handled it wrong. I hope that makes sense. They're very artistic in order to articulate themselves. So when you want a purple, pay attention to purple kids with their art or their expression or, like, how they do things. Purple kids need the journal. They need all the paints. They need the messy corner. They need the art cabinet that you don't care about. They just kind of need that. And honestly, when they're having moments, just throw a bunch of art stuff at them and see what they make. Um, maybe they're having a complicated day. You know what? Draw me a picture about that. Okay. Um, write me a poem about that. Sing me a song about that. Or maybe they don't want it. Maybe they don't want to show it to you. Maybe they just need to keep it for themselves. That's fine too. But encouraging them to put on paper in some artistic or creative way, um, or just artistic and creative way in general, like maybe they dance, maybe they do this or that, put it in that. And that's how they can kind of communicate things sometimes to themselves. It's how they work their stuff out. Purples are complicated. The other thing with purples, and this isn't meant to be scary. It's just what I see. They can be vulnerable to the attention you don't want your kid to get because purples are naturally just a little sparkly, a little like, woo, here I am. And all that kind of stuff. You have to be careful of them a little bit more than other kids. Um, in terms of, I mean, negative attention with adults, you don't want your kids around. Listen to kids, listen to them. If they tell you, uh, all, all aura color kids, but if they say something's off with somebody, that's, that's your Uncle Jim. There's nothing wrong with him. What are you talking about? Nope. Listen to it. I don't like him. That makes me feel awkward. Um, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. Listen to them. Just listen. Purples are usually better at articulating it than maybe other aura color kids are. Um, all kids go through this, but there's something with purples. I just, it's just, you got to watch them a little bit more because it's almost like they're seen easier as manipulative as targets to manipulate in a way. Uh, and I think if you're purple, you understand that as you get older. Okay. I didn't mean for that to go dark, but got to bring this stuff up. Okay. Turquoise kids. Okay. I have a turquoise kid, man. I'm learning a lot about you turquoises. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, Wow. They're very emotional and stubborn at the same time. What I've noticed with raising a turquoise child is that she needs my vulnerability. So like, I don't know, she won't just do something because I tell her to. She has to do something because she understands why I need her to. (laughs) So, you know, eat something healthy, for example. You have to eat something healthy before you can have a snack, okay? You have to eat something. You can't can't have have chips without turkey roll-ups. Like, I have to, you know, everything's an argument with her. (laughs) So she's purple too, by the way. So everything's an argument. So, but she needs like, she needs me to almost like, (laughs) just like take my heart out, stick it on the, on the 
on the table in front of her, be like, there it is. Okay. She's very kind to it when she sees my heart, but I also, I have to do that every time. So it's kind of like, listen, like I'm your mommy and I really worry that you're not getting enough nutrients. And so I just want you to eat something healthy and fill your belly up with healthy stuff before you kind of fill it up with fun, more snack things, just because I'm your mommy. And then I get worried that you're not going to be healthy. Okay. I'll have turkey roll-ups. Okay. You know, like, but it's not just like, because I said so, super doesn't work on a turquoise. That's what I'm trying to say. They need to hear your reactions to things, people. I mean, all kids do, honestly. I just noticed this more with purples than, uh, I'm sorry, more with turquoises than with um, other aura color kids, but this is good for every kid. Your feelings are a template. So turquoises, remember, their ability is to reflect others' emotions. And it's extra hard for them to understand what they're reflecting versus who they are. So they can really incorporate other people's stuff way more into them um, and, and have a hard time differentiating it from their own stuff. So using your own feelings as a template, you know, I saw this dog and it made me feel this and this and this, and then I felt this. We have a neighbor and my daughter... She's a single lady and she's a dog and my daughter loves her. Okay. I don't think she listens to this podcast, so that's good. She's kind of like the, um, <laughs> the street Karen. I don't know how else to say it. Just, you know, and I don't think she likes Scott so much. Scott's on the board. Anyways, <laughs> the HOA board. Anyways, for whatever reason, like Abby just, why I do my high wave, you know, okay. Cause I don't want to hear about how much you hate my husband. Okay. On the board or like why you're upset about the sprinklers or whatever. So I'm just, I do my high. Okay. Abby will cross the street, sit down with her, talk, pet the dog, pet her dog, come back to me. You know, I'm like, what'd you guys talk about? Oh, you know, I really like her. She, you know, she tells me, she just sees this woman. She just sees her and she sees all the things that I should see too. You know, it's just, I avoid <laughs> get, she's, she really, they really have a nice little relationship. It's weird. So the thing with turquoises is they pick up things in people. And oh, and, but the funny thing is she'll come back and she'll start, she's talking like this 40 something year old woman. So she's talking like her and she's saying things that she says. And, and like my six year old's acting like the neighbor across the street, like she's acting like her. And so it's her way of showing me who this woman really is. It's, it's my, it's Abby, my turquoise daughter's way of showing me this woman's true heart. Not all the stuff that I'm a little annoyed with about her, or I try to keep away from her. She's trying to show me the real her. It's, it's very deep. And she, Abby doesn't know she's doing it because she's six. But on a level, she does know she's doing Because why does she go there and why does she come back and mimic a lot of this woman's behavior to me? It's her way of trying to give me a message. And that's what turquoises do. And it makes me very even emotional when I talk about it because it's so deep and it's so hard to understand. And what happens to these kids when nobody sees that. And it, and I probably don't even see all of it. I'm trying really hard to get an education quick here. Uh, because what can happen is, is when she mimics other people, it's her way of trying to show me them or process them or show them to themselves or whatever. And I'm trying to like articulate that to her. I'm, I'm always trying to express that to her. Like, Hey, why are you? Cause she does it all the time with everybody. Like, why are you talking like this person? Or why are you talking like that person? Do you want to explain that to me? Oh, 
And then it's, it's, she's starting to under, see it. So I'm proud of myself. She's starting to see it. And she's starting to kind of explain it back to me in a way. And then she'll do everybody's different mimics. Like, and this is how this person says hello. And, this, and it's not to make fun of them. It's to show me their heart or show me their, or feel, it's really for her, it's for her to process who they are. It's very deep and complicated. I hope that makes sense. Um, but I'm, it's interesting because uh, we I had Christy Lukasiak on from Dance Moms, and she has, uh, I think her daughter's like 19 or 20 now, but she's turquoise. Chloe is turquoise. And we were talking about it, and Christy said something about how her daughter, she would always say like, where's my Christy or where's the real Christy? And, and how, I'm sorry, where's Chloe? Where's my daughter? Where's Chloe? Where's the real Chloe? Like talking to her daughter who's turquoise. And Chloe, her turquoise kid, would get very upset. She doesn't like that. So that was like like really influential information for me to hear that from Christy because I'm like okay I get that so like when Abby comes home and she's starting to she acts like the teacher she acts like this she acts like this I try to compartmentalize because I don't like her it's not her mimic it's not her being them or trying to be them or it's not her losing herself which I think is what I'm really nervous about her losing herself in something it's her trying to process it so I'm trying to alert her to that as developmentally appropriate as I can Turquoises are also very scientific. They're a lot like greens that way. They want to know how things work and they don't mind gross stuff. Like that other kids might find gross. They're like, ooh, tell me about, I don't know, the anatomy of this or, I mean, they understand death. They understand things a little deeper and they want to know about it. And they can ask like really weird questions about it. Um, but green kids are like that too. Okay. Indigo kids. I don't see a lot of indigo kids. They're mostly blue and then they'll end up turning indigo later. But, um, so all the blue stuff with indigo kids, but then like quality over quantity with friendships, they're really into animals, you know, they can't deal with drama. And here, here's a big thing with indigo kids. They can't handle a lot of toys because they feel like they won't give them all enough attention. So growing up, I had just one doll and I didn't want any other dolls. Like people be like, don't you want more dolls or don't you want? No, I could, because I was afraid I would disappoint my doll because I needed, I still have, oh my God, this is, I, this is like eight year old Megan coming out. I was, this was my doll and I didn't want her to feel like I didn't just, you know, I I wanted her to feel attended to. And I wanted, I didn't want, I felt like if I had more, just like friends, I felt like if I had more dolls, then I couldn't give enough attention to her. And then she would be sad for real. I want you to know that I still have this freaking doll okay, in a case and it lives in my garage and I still look at it sometimes and feel bad I don't play with it. Yeah, indigo kids. That's, that, that's diff- that stuff lasts, okay? And my kids want to play with that doll sometimes and I'm like, mm, I like, I let them, but there's like a part of me that's just like, oh, please be gentle with my doll. It's like, it's an inanimate object. Okay, indigos, they don't like a lot of toys. So you might not want to stress them out with a lot of toys. Green kids, okay. Green kids don't care about the things they don't care about, okay? <laughs> like, you know, they're reading a book about little Sally who gets bullied. They don't, you know, maybe they don't care. They're like, Sally should learn not to notice people like I do. I don't notice people like that. Okay, I move on. Why aren't we learning about pollination? That's what I'm into. I'm going to get good grades there and I'm going to totally zone out and make the teacher call you and tell you that I'm zoning out during little Sally gets bullied stories. They don't care what they don't care about, you know, and and the thing is you can't really motivate them to care what they don't care about because they're smart. 
Okay. And they know that whatever that thing they don't care about is not going to be applicable in their life. (laughs) So they're usually into like the science or the math or all that green people stuff, you know, but they're not really into like stuff that they know they're not going to use. And you can't really convince them otherwise. And because you want to get a good grade, doesn't make any sense to them because they're like, that's stupid because I'm not going to use it. Like, so who cares about a grade that somebody else telling me something that I don't need? I don't need that out. They're not, they don't really need external approval, which is great with green people, but also hard if you're trying to parent a green kid because you want them to be like, well, I'll be mad if you don't do it. Like, okay, be mad. Well, the teacher will be angry. Okay. She'll be angry. I don't care. Okay. When are we learning about pollination? Like they just don't care. So that's hard. It's very hard to punish them too. I remember I had um, a friend and oh my God, her kid was so green and she was like, I don't, I don't know how to punish him. Like she would make him sit in timeout on the stairs and take all, all his toys away. Here, all your toys are gone. You have to think about what you did and he in timeout. And you know, the whole thing with timeout is you put them in, you know, for how you know, there's lots of ways to do it, but you put them in for however many minutes they're old, you know, their ages. So, okay, you're five, here's five minutes. And then usually they hate it. Like usually kids hate, like all kids hate it except green kids. Because her green kid would sit there. And after the five minutes were up, she's like, well, are you sorry? And then you can go play and you go do it. No, I'm good. I found this little fabric, this little, this little, I'm playing with the carpet. Carpet's really fun. I'm fascinated by it. I'm super focused on it. And this isn't even a punishment. Like, how do you punish them? Like, you can't. (laughs) Oh, greens. Um, They're a little bit of a loner. You know, and it might trigger you. As a parent, depending on where you're at, if they don't have, like, a ton of friends. And, like, let's say, you know, you see all the kids on the street playing and your kid's just kind of, like, playing Legos by yourself or whatever. Like, but you got to – that's when you got to check in with her. Is she lonely or is she absolutely fine? Because if she's absolutely fine, that's okay. They talk about parallel play sometimes. Like, you know, two two years old, you have a play date. They don't play with each other. They play, like, next to each other, like, different things. That's parallel play. Greens do this the rest of their lives. Like, even when you go to a green workplace, like – Okay, we're a bunch of architects in a firm. You best believe that in every single office, it's like parallel play. It's like they're all doing their own thing. Maybe they say hi at the water cooler, but they're not really uh, ever developing ideas together. Like that's just green people. They're a little bit loner-ish, but they don't care and they don't notice it. So it's fine. Loner-ish for our standards, not for their own. Um you know, oh, they, they they can just be a little oblivious to what people think. And even if they're made aware of what people think, they're like, oh, okay. They won't – green kids can live with that. They can live with that. They're like, okay, you know, all right. And then they can push it out of their minds. It's just natural to them. Green kids can be a little gross about things. <laughs> so, like, maybe you don't want your kid to collect worms. It's kind of gross. Or like, it, Usually this gets associated with boys a lot. Like, here's all these things in my pocket, like frogs, but girl, green girls, that's why green girls get, they really get um, pushed out of being green because, you know, maybe there's a green girl and she has all these worms and she's collected this frog and she wanted to, oh, this, the raccoon was killed on the side of the road. I want to see what it looks like, you know, oh, let's go look at it. Let's poke it. Let's see what happens. But that's not ladylike. Oh my gosh, don't do that. And they get pushed out of being green or whatever. Or green girls, you know, they're playing by themselves, they're Legos. Go play, go play, go play with the girls, go play house, go play this, go play that. Why aren't you playing with the girls? They don't care. Um, but I digress to the gross, yeah, gross things. 
Green kids like gross things. I don't know. They love it because they're science-minded. They want to see how things work. Okay. So you have to, that's where you got to kind of go into intent a little bit. You have to be like, okay, should I be worried about their gross thing habit or are they just trying to learn something? The other thing is they love to be in nature. They're just a little more naturey. They could play outside forever. They love it. They can't get enough. Um, they like to make their own toys. Usually if you buy them something, eh, make, make it yourself. Ooh, that's interesting. They like adult stuff. Like I want tools. I want this. I want that. Um, they can take things apart. So grandkids can get called destructive a lot, but they're just trying to take stuff apart to see how it works. And they're very hands-on. They, they'll touch everything. They just, they don't, they can't help it. Finally, pink kids. Oh no, I wasn't going to forget about the pinks. I see pink in so many children, but n- not really in adults, which makes me sad. And I wonder if in a couple generations that'll be different. Just like when I look at pictures from generations past and I don't see, I see purple, but it's very muted or I'll see yellow, but only in girls or, you know, it, it's, or I'll see red, but it's muted. It's mostly just a lot of blue, but anyways, um, I, and I never see pink. Okay. So at least I'm starting to see pink in the kids' pictures I see currently. That's good. But I never really see it so much in adults. So it's one of those things that society crushes. And I think that as parents, we want to keep our kids as innocent and pure as we can. And a lot of us try so hard, but you really can't fight the forces once you send them out there. It's hard. Pink kids, um, if they're pink, they're very pink. And they're very stubborn. Pink kids are very stubborn. My Abby has a pink friend. Um, and I know a couple pink kids. Uh, Megan King, my friend Megan King from her Housewives of Orange County, her, her daughter is pink. You know, I see pink. They're very stubborn about things. Uh, they, they have their way of doing stuff. And they understand there's like this whole grown-up world. They just seriously don't want to be a part of it. They don't. They understand it's there. They're just refusing to participate. They do not like to compromise. They would rather play with younger kids than older ones. They don't mind the younger kids because the younger kids get get it, the whole I don't want to grow up thing. Pink, pink kids can have a Peter Pan thing going, like Peter Pan syndrome. They can have that going on a little bit. They just want to stay young forever. They willfully don't want to grow up. And that when I see like very pink adults, you'll see that with them too. They're like, yeah, I'm not into this <laughs> like grown up thing. Super not cool. Um, they are very particular about how they want things done. They're a little assertive. So it can be a little confused with like red, red people, red kids sometimes because they're very assertive. They can be, make me call bossy children or things like that. It's just, they're very particular about how, how they want things to go because they don't want any outside influences infiltrating the way they like things to go. So how does that work? Like, you know how kids play and well, you were a kid, so you can imagine like when you used to play and some, I don't know, like you, you have like magical rules. Like you're the person that does this. And if I do this then this happens or whatever, pink kids are very serious about their play. Like you can't go making up stuff like, oh no, I'm invisible now. Like you are not invisible now. That was not established at the beginning of the game and you can't do that crap. And that's not, you know, they're very serious about their rules for playing. They find a lot of joy in little details and moments and accessories. And they love boys too. Boys, pink boys, pink girls. They love a little sparkle. They love things to kind of just be joyful and, and they that wonderment. You know that that moment where you just look and 
sometimes as adults, like we only get in very fleeting moments back. Like let's say you're in Rockefeller Center and you see the the tree. It's like, oh, wow. Or there's a butterfly and it flies past you and you're just like, wow. It just takes you out of your whole day. You're just beautiful. You know, like that. They want to live in that moment. They want to spread it out over a lifetime. And if you think about that, it's so beautiful and it's so inspiring. But it also is something where the people around you who are insecure or triggered or low vibration can attack. And that's why pink is such a delicate energy to to withstand. If you can keep it to adulthood, more power to you. It's very hard to do it because it's just taking those beautiful moments of just pure joy and trying to stretch it out over your whole life. And pinks, man, they will work so hard at that. And they totally get that there's a whole other world out there, but they, the ones who last with their pink refuse, refuse to let it infiltrate them. Okay. So that's my pink, that, that is my pink aura kid thing. And this was my aura kids parenting. And hopefully it's helped you think about when you were a kid, think about your own relationship with your parents, think about your relationship with your children now. And I want to hear your feedback. Like, this was a lot. Okay. So I want to hear like what nuances you'd like explored more in future episodes. Thank you guys so much. This podcast is for you and about you. And thanks for spending some time with me today. And Scott too. You guys take care. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.